Venturing Voices provides a platform for women in South Carolina who get shit done. I'm Nell Fuller, the co-founder of Femex Columbia and Fem Capital, and each week I'll dive deeper into the stories of inspirational women who make an impact in the Columbia community and beyond. Welcome. This week we have Allison Terracio with us, and I'm really excited for everybody to get to know her and also for me to get to know her a little bit better. So welcome, Allison. Thank you for having me. This is a fun uh, break in my afternoon. Perfect. Well, Allison, um, I don't know a ton about your background, but I know you do a whole handful of really amazing stuff from county council to Planned Parenthood. to having a yoga studio before, and so I'm really excited to hear how you kind of jumped from A to B to C to D and where you are now, and um, hearing about some of the great work you're doing as um, county councilwoman here in Columbia. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've definitely taken the long and winding road, Uh, but really the through line for everything is that I've always tried to look for where I can be helpful, Um, you know, maybe with the exception of my bank jobs, and that was just the ability to make money and have fun. Right, right. <laughs> so tell me about that. Where did, like, how did you get started in banking? So my sophomore year in college, I was sitting in chemistry class and um, somehow I got my mom, I guess I, my mom must have called right before chemistry class and she said, uh, I got you a job at the bank. And she was walking around to make a deposit and somebody at the bank asked what I was doing that summer. And she said, oh, well, she'll need a job. Mm -hmm. And they said, okay, well, she'll come work here. So they had arranged it totally without my knowledge or consent. But I think at that time, minimum wage was like maybe... 515 if I'm remembering that right at one yeah. point it was 515 and I think I was going to make like six dollars an hour big time so I got out my scientific calculator and I started anticipating <laughs> the money that I was that was going to roll in that summer so uh, I got really excited um, I loved working at the bank my first job was separating the paper clips from the rubber bands wow um, <laughs> And, you know, at that time we were mailing out statements, so we had to weigh the envelopes and put this postage on it. So that was, I was very much in the the kind of meat and potatoes part of the bank. Um, Fast forward to graduating from college, uh, I was working in New York City at a firm that I won't name, but just kind of a, really a one-off, foot in the door kind of place. Mm made a deposit at the Bank of New York, founded in 1784 by Alexander Hamilton. And I said, how do you get a job here? Again, this was in the year 2000. And they Mm -hmm. said, oh, just send your resume here. Right. I got a phone call and they said, "Uh, we're going to interview you for asset-backed securities. And I go, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) And so I started looking it up and I didn't understand it at all. But they knew that I could, that I understood what debits and credits were. Right. And they put me in a job and I learned it all. And they, I got to do, so the assets that I worked with were uh, mostly like car loans. Like okay. uh, some of, you know, some of the bigger car companies that would do their own financing. Okay. Those were the, that was the debt that we uh, were trustee for. So it was a really fun 
fun time. Um, I lived with the man that I am currently, I'm married to. Mm-hmm. And so we just really loved our lives in our 20s. Yeah. Um, after some years of that, I was doing yoga. This was like, you know, post 9-11 New York. Okay. Everybody was kind of like trying to heal and figure out what, <laughs> what was important in life. Right. And I just thought, oh, if I could share this with the person back home in Todd County who is having trouble getting in and out of his tractor because his knee's hurting, that would be amazing. So I was thinking about those people and did a yoga teacher training and thought I could probably make a go of this in Louisville. You know, I didn't think I could make a living teaching yoga in Todd County, but I thought if I can get close enough to home, I can travel back and forth a little bit. Right. So... Uh, I had a yoga studio in Louisville, bought it from a woman who was leaving it, and built up just the most sweet group of friends. Uh, The people who were there were so interested, so interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, The most interesting people in the world are, you know, going to yoga studios, and uh, so I was lucky enough to get to know them. Um, But then after my son was born... Know, you kind of start thinking, I'm going to need retirement. We're going to need, right. you know, we're going to need to pay for college. So my husband got a, an opportunity back in New York. We went back there. Um, and that was where one of my friends was pregnant. I was teaching her yoga. And I said, girl, you need a doula. Mm-hmm. And she said, what's a doula? <laughs> and so I said, uh, well, you know, it's basically somebody who has experienced childbirth before, um, who is not your, who, who is not a medical provider. Right. And she goes, well, my husband, you know, I'm, my husband's going to be there. So he's going to be my partner. And I was like, well, but he has never had a baby before, you know? <laughs> and she goes, okay. So I did some training and I sat with her through her labor and delivery. So you weren't a doula, had no doula training. You were just like, this is a need. I was like, this is a need and I'm, and I don't know anybody else. Well, we were looking at doulas and then of course this was New York. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she said there were all these tiers. It was like, there was the entry level doula and the advanced doula. And it was like a thousand dollars and fifteen hundred dollars and you know thousands of dollars. Right. And she and I said, listen, I'll just do it for you. Yeah. I was like, I'll just pay and do this training, and I'll just be your doula. And so that's and then kind of word of mouth spread, like, oh, this person's pregnant. Can you be their doula? And so I kind of built up a little practice there, and it was really, again, you meet the most interesting people. Right. Um, And you get to be there with them in a really intimate moment for their family. Um, And so that's always very special that people would choose to to spend that time. So, um, but then again, I started looking at my bank account and I thought, okay, spending three days in a hospital, even for this amount of money, is not really going to contribute to my 401k. So um, I got... a connected back with my old friends at the bank Mm -hmm. and uh, started going downtown to work and uh, just had the most fun. I worked with really fun people. I got dressed up every day. We worked, our 
bank building was right beside the Condé Nast built. So like wow. uh, the Freedom Tower. Yeah. So you'd see all the Vogue women going to work in right. all <laughs> and, uh, and all the fabulousness. All the fabulousness. <laughs> and you know, you're just like, oh, that's cute. And then you sort of think about like, it's just so inspiring and it kind of keeps you energized and keeps you going. Um, even just leaving my house today and putting on like a real, real clothes, not yoga pants clothes. Um, I was like, oh, I feel better. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, maybe I should do this more often. So yeah. Um, but after, after a few years at the bank, uh, you know, my son was in public New York city public schools and, um, I think the school system, I, I, it's, it was like our particular situation. You know, I had a particular kind of little boy who needed some more space, who needed a buffer room, you know, a buffer zone. Um, and we needed to be able to be accessible, um, because it was sort of like, I, I, I used to joke, this is, uh, not a visual medium, but my arm was constantly behind my back because I was pulling a child with me all the time. It was yes. like, we have to hurry and we have to hurry to get the bus. We have to hurry to get back in the house. We have to hurry to get your dinner done and your bath done so that we can get you to bed by this certain hour so that we can get up the next, you know? So there just was so much, there wasn't any wiggle room right during that time. Um, and that's then, a huge realization when you yeah. can pause for a second and, yeah. and realize like my arm is back here and I just can't like drag everything up yeah. to ever be on time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, while we loved our life in the city, it just was like, you realize how taxing it is. And so then, um, we, my husband started looking around and we were here one Christmas, and we were like, oh, this is nice. In Columbia? In Columbia, uh, where he grew up. Yeah, okay. yeah. So he grew up here, and everything just kind of clicked into place. So, like, there was the job that opened up, and, you know, the school is right by the house. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you and I were talking just before this about transportation being able to walk places and so we highly valued being able to walk to the local school right and we were like yes this is this is the next right thing to do and I think that's kind of like what my whole all of these decisions it seems kind of a little ping-pongy or whatever um but we're constantly thinking what is the next right thing to do right because you can't force things to happen and you can't force the situation you're in to work any better than it is. So then we just got, we have gotten really good at sitting down and going, is this, is this the next right thing? Yeah. Yeah. And so realizing you can't wait for it. Like you can't live your life waiting for the next right thing, but be open enough to recognize it when it comes. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things that I'm continually working on is trying to be happy in the moment that I'm in. Yes. <laughs> instead, of, instead of trying to look for the next thing is to right. be like, yes, the next thing will happen because it has always happened. Um, but how can I be more content, more joyous and more happy in the place where I'm actually where I am actually right now. Right. Especially when it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, this last year has not been easy for anybody. No. And, um, 
I, yeah, I think that's really meaningful to hear other people, other women say is mm-hmm. like finding joy in the moment. Like, yes. yes, everything might be crumbling around you and I don't know what the next right thing is or if I'm there, but being able to stop and find those happy moments. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of the time I spend feeling like I'm in an in-between place or I'm in the middle of things. And um, so I, I've had to really consciously choose, even like I, thinking back like for the past decade probably, to consciously choose to be like, oh, this is, I'm in it. You know, right. I'm, in, I'm here, I'm in the middle of things. This is what's happening now. And like, love, love my life. Like, just love it. You right. Know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So how did you get into politics? So I would have never, ever thought, and I think you hear a lot of people say that, you know, oh, I would have never done this before. Right. But that truly is the case. Um, I was a science major. Mm-hmm. I was not a political science major. I didn't like that was not the world I lived in at all. Right. Um, even in my bank job, I kind of just didn't pay that much attention. We always voted, of course, and we always held our values, you know, close to, close to heart. Um, but it was never, I just thought that was something that other people did. Mm-hmm. Other people who had majored in political science. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you assume that people doing what they're doing have some kind of, you know, expertise or knowledge behind it. Yeah. Um, and so it just was a, um, a confluence of things. And so when I, when I got here, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm leaving from this bank. Um, obviously, it's a prestigious place to work, so doors will open. Right. And they just kind of didn't. Right. Um, you know, I don't know. I probably don't need to tell you how kind of closed off financial services can be maybe to women in this town. Right. Um, right. <laughs> yes. And so I kind of, I, I finally found a job here, um, but quickly found myself kind of marginalized. It was like, I walked into a room and I was like, oh, this is where they put the middle-aged ladies. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, oh, you're putting me here to like molder and (laughs) die. Oh my God. (laughs) There's nothing more horrible than that feeling. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I mean, I I definitely, in in my like short experience dealing with banks and bankers, I mean, there's a lot of delightful men. Mm -hmm. It's not that the men aren't delightful, but it is all men. And they all know each other and they all play golf together and have drinks together and um, yeah, I guess all of the women are behind closed doors. All of the women are put in a in a cubicle farm <laughs> underground. <laughs> so um, during that period of time, I had also been very active in some of the organizations that that we probably both are familiar with. Um, you know, I had put my name forward to volunteer for Planned Parenthood. I became a patient greeter at Planned Parenthood. Um, I started going to the state house and going to some of the lobby days there and learning about how things worked here in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, I started getting to know. I mean, that's one of the things about that I like about being here is that it is very easy to get involved. Yes. It's very easy to start meeting people and meeting people, and then they'll introduce you to the next group of people. And so then it, it's... Um, to me, at least, my experience was 
very open. And I was like, well, this feels like what I need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, this feels very important. And so, um, you know, that was the year that James Smith announced that he was running for, um, governor. Mm -hmm. Seth Rose announced that he was going to run for the South Carolina state house. And so there was going to be this open seat on Richland County Council. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, one of the things that, um, again, back to transit, but one of the things that really stood out to me about my neighborhood was that we had these sidewalks. But, you know, and I, I was a recent transplant from New York. There were women pushing their baby strollers in the middle of the street. Yes. And I was horrified. I, don't, I hope <laughs> nobody listening is like, you know, um, but I, I felt like, oh, someone's like, there could be an accident, right. you know? And so I started asking around, I was like, why don't people use the sidewalks? And it's like, well, the sidewalks are all buckled up and that kind of stuff. And I thought, well, I need to, I, <laughs> I feel very strongly about fixing the sidewalks. Right. And I thought, and so Richland County Council is a place where we can do things like sidewalk projects. Right, know? right. Um, it is a place where we can do things like, you know, um, I, we've been working on a plastic bag ordinance for a little while to try to reduce some of that. COVID has thrown a little bit of a wrench into that because there was right. a time where we were like, oh, everything has to have a plastic bag around it. Uh, but I think we can start thinking differently about that now. Yeah. Um, you know, I had used the library for job search mm -hmm. and they, I, they took me on a tour and I was like, what? This is a library? Yeah. You're kidding me. We have the best library. I was so, I was like, this is something we are doing right. Yeah. And, um, some of my, you know, in my yoga training, um, we were always taught to look for the good. So, you know, you have a student, you tell them to do downward facing dog. It's nowhere close to a downward facing <laughs> dog. And so instead of feeling flustered or, or making the student feel ashamed if they're not in the, in the pose, you go, okay, what looks good here? Okay. The person is breathing. <laughs> okay. The person's hands are on the floor. That's great. Right. So now if we just have them walk their feet back a little bit or have them bend their knees, then you can start to work with things. And I, so it was always like, look for what's look for what the good, right. look for what's working and then start to enhance that. And I thought if we have something that's already working, we can extract, like we can expand that. Right. right? Why is that working? Yeah. Why mm -hmm. is that working? How, what lessons can we learn? How can we take this into other um, parts of the County that might need, you know, more enhancement. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I got really excited about the library. Um, and then of course we, you know, fund the transit system. And so, uh, the comet was something, and again, coming from New York, I was very excited about, I think that the, the bus is something that we should all use. Right. Um, it's not just for, you know, people who can't afford a car. It's right. like, this can be, um, the way your, your choice, you know, what right. if this was like the best choice for how to get around. Right. So I started to get excited about those things. Um, and as I talked to voters, they seem to be excited about those things. Um, and so 
true to form, I, I, I had a, an, an opponent in the primary mm-hmm. um, and won that race by just enough. <laughs> and, um, and, and now he's gone on to, to be on city council. So, um, and, and we talk all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I think like when you think about, you know, a political opponent, that doesn't have to be someone that's like your enemy. Right. That's right. just someone that you're in a campaign with. Like that's just someone who's helping you, you know, with the conversation right. about what's important. Right. And, um, and then, you know, one of you, one of you ends up in a seat and one of you ends up not in the seat, but that doesn't mean that like it's over. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause I can see that relationship really helping each other figure out like these, this is what I'm passionate about. Like these yeah. are the points I'm going to stand on. Yeah. Um, and you know, just, I really caught on to what you said about finding the good because that's real. Like people say that a lot mm-hmm. around a lot of different things, but nobody says that about politics, mm-hmm. especially local politics. Like yeah. I don't think I've ever heard anybody sit and be like, you know, we have to find what we're doing right. What's working yeah. here. Yeah. It's always this like reactive mm-hmm. and I'm completely guilty of it. I'm yeah. not, you know, <laughs> saying that I don't do that because it's like, here's what's not working with yeah. our city and here's what needs to change. Yeah. But that approach is so refreshing. Yeah. I mean, it's really easy to dump on, you know, whatever you think that is not, is not working. Um, and certainly there are real issues that negatively affect people. I mean, right. just currently, you know, that just the trash issue is affecting everybody negatively. Right. Um, so we need to acknowledge reality, um, but also go like, what are our strengths? Because we're not the next county over. And a lot of times Richland County will get compared to other counties right. um, in terms of where we are not living up to, you know, the comparison. And I, I just think, well, like, no, like, let's be, let's do our own thing really well. Mm-hmm. And that will be attractive in, in its own way. And sure, like, we'll probably end up with a lot of amenities like those other places, but we'll be ourselves. Right, mm-hmm. right. How do you feel like, do you feel like that's the kind of culture you walked into on county council or do you find yourself championing that on county <laughs> yeah. council? I mean, here's the thing. Our council as of this year is almost entirely brand new. Mm-hmm. Um, there are three people who predate me okay. on that council now Wow. Um, out of 11. So there really is a lot of fresh energy. Yeah. And I will say that this something that I'm conscious of for my own time on council is like, at what point do I start to, if I'm losing the spark, um, then that is the time for me to kind of pull away and say like, this is for the next person, right. you know, um, because I think it can, it can be very easy to be like, oh, we've had this conversation before. This is, you know, and things can kind of, especially on our council, like things have tended to drag on. Right. Um, but already there's new energy with people saying, let's vote on this and move on. Right. Let's vote on this and give people the, um, you know, the, the set the policy that we want set and then let staff carry it out. And that's really our job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then move on to the next thing. Right. Yeah. That's and then awful. maybe our meetings won't be five hours long. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so going into, um, you were talking a little bit before about the idea of complete roads. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. Talk a little bit more about that. I just feel like that's such a great analogy for yeah. life in general. Right. So. <laughs> I mean, you know, when we were um, pre- kind of interstate, uh, and I, and I love the interstate, like the interstate is going to take me home to Kentucky next right. month. Um, and so I'm going to get on it and it will be smooth sailing, hopefully. Locally though, what we've tended to do is we've separated people from goods and services. So people live in, you know, clusters of neighborhoods yes. and then they have to get on a main road and then go to the store that they need to go to. Yes. So we're adding on transit time, time in cars, that kind of thing, complete streets. Um, and it's not like we, those neighborhoods will go away or anything. It's just thinking more comprehensively about not only how to make um, the streets safer because over the years, We've built the roads to go faster, mm-hmm. and we've built the cars to be safer, and I'm grateful for that, too. Um, and so when you're inside a car, you're really safe. Right. If you're outside a car, if you're rolling or walking or skating or biking or whatever it is that you're doing, you are much less safe, and especially in South Carolina. Right. And really here, and even in, in my district on Harden Street, that's one of the deadliest roads yes. in South Carolina. I didn't so, realize that. Yeah, yeah. Like through five points? Yeah, so they're yeah. looking at that. I mean, essentially, you come out of, like, neighborhood streets where you can walk and bike, um, and then you come onto this main four-lane, essentially like a highway. Right. And um, cars really want to speed up there, and, you know, I'm as guilty as anyone. I was like, okay, now i got a straight shot. Let me get where I'm going real fast. So we need to be able to, to slow things down, and that really will help not only pedestrian and, you know, for the health of people, like not getting killed, (laughs) Um, the health of people (laughs) being able to like, you know, use their bodies to, to transport themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, but also it will help local business because you're making the store, the goods and services in, in essence, uh, closer to the people who live around them. Right. Right. So that you're walking by slowly and you go, Oh, that shop. Right. You go, oh, that restaurant, oh, that, uh, I need to get my shoes fixed at this store. Yes. So you're, you're pausing a little bit more, noticing what's around you, and then you become more um, integrated into your community. Like right. the fabric of the community gets tighter and thicker and, and more connected. Um, so that's kind of what we're, what we're thinking of. And of course, like you do need to be able to travel long distances, um, hopefully the bus system can also be part of that. And really uh, to think about the bus system as like, okay, well, I have to get up and I'm going to commute. Well, I don't even know. Or we, maybe, we'll won't com- maybe we won't commute. Right. <laughs> commute <laughs> um, to the living room. <laughs> yeah, we're commuting to the living room for the most part right now. Uh, but we will want to go places. And instead of thinking of your transit time as sort of wasted time, that's time, you know, there's Wi-Fi on the buses. Like, oh... I can catch up on like the emails while I'm getting from here to there rather than thinking like, Oh, the bus takes a long time. You can just say, right. Oh, I'm building in my, this time to right. do this other, this thing. So our buses currently have that. Yeah. 
Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, I had no idea. Yeah. So you can get on, yeah, do get on the bus and do your thing. Yeah. Um, I, I used to like that the subways didn't have Wi-Fi because I was like, oh, I'm free right. for this time. But then once, once it became a regular thing and you could get, you know, Wi-Fi on this, you could get service on the subway, everybody's back on their phones. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, just help, like... Um, one of one of the things that I'd I'd like to do in conversations with people is just start to help um, imagine. You know, I mean, people don't love change, right? But right. we're constantly changing. Things are constantly changing, and to help people not feel um, threatened by a change. Right. But, imagine if the change was proactive yeah. instead of like reactive change. Yeah. Yeah. So um, to help people kind of envision, because you're always creating the world that you live in. And so like, if you just pause and take a moment and think about what kind of world would I like to live in, then those steps that you can take will be, it's almost like, you know, organic, you know, it's almost like, um, I don't know. Did you ever do therapy? Mm-hmm. Um, so I love therapy. I recommend it for everyone. Therapy's amazing. Therapy is amazing. <laughs> and one of the things that I really loved about therapy, cause when I started, I thought, Oh, I'm going to have to try to stop doing this. Right. And I dreaded that my therapist was going to look at me and be like, okay, you can't do that anymore. Right. But what happened was that instead of her saying to me, this is what you can't do, or this is what you need to do. We just talked through how I was feeling and maybe the source of that feeling and stuff. And then once I kind of had processed through that, I didn't have to try not to do the old behavior anymore. It just dropped off. Yeah. It was very natural because I was thinking about, instead of holding on to an old habit or an old belief pattern or an old feeling pattern, Mm -hmm. I was free of that pattern and I could envision what I wanted next. Right. Can we do that like at a local government level? (laughs) I mean, that's really... Wow. Yeah. That's big. (laughs) That's like big. You know, we talk about like strategic planning and stuff, Mm -hmm. but really maybe we just all need like group therapy. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Huh. I'd never even thought about it that way. So do y'all, so from a, like, how do we do this? How do we make city or local government approach policy from a therapeutic approach? Yeah. I don't know. Huh. (laughs) <laughs> All right, you're on to something. Yeah, yeah. I'll, if I if I ever figure it out, I'll start a consulting firm and <laughs> take it around to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, speak like on those same lines. What is your next big thing? You mm-hmm. know, given we know we can't say this is the next big thing yeah. we're waiting for, but like, what's what's on your brain for the next thing that you're working towards? I don't know. I mean, like I said before, I feel like I'm very much in the middle of things. Um, I feel like there's a lot to do on council right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do still feel very passionate about what I'm doing. Um, so I think that's, you know, a good place for me to be, mm-hmm. continue to be right now. And then I love my job. You know, my other job is at Planned Parenthood and I love my job. Yeah. Um, it's incredibly challenging in South Carolina. It can be a very challenging environment for sexual and reproductive health services. Yes. Um, and I love the people that I work with and I love what I do. It feels very meaningful. And so if there is kind of a next thing, 
Um, I think it would be, you know, thinking about, and, and the, actually working for Planned Parenthood, it's kind of like um, when you look at your um, organ and org chart, right? Yeah. You look at um, a corporation, you go, here's the president, here's the vice president, here are the, you know, directors. And so in order for me to get the next job up, I have to like push some director, you know, like right. somebody's going to have to retire. Somebody's going to have to get promoted, right. whatever. With Planned Parenthood, there's a, there's a more of a model of growth mm-hmm. that I would love to see in more companies and corporations where if they see that there's interest and talent and need, mm-hmm. they'll kind of carve out a space for you to excel in. Right. And so, like I said, I started out as a patient greeter because I didn't know what else to do. Right. Um, just standing outside the health center saying, welcome to Planned Parenthood. It's one of the most important jobs, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, that volunteering led to a lot of other things. Yeah. Um, but And now I, our affiliate has four states and mm-hmm. 14 health centers. Um, and so I get to coordinate the patient greeting, all of the patient greeting for all of those health centers. Um, and so I get to know all of their challenges and all right. of their needs and all of their, um, you know, just moments of, uh, real, yeah, just, I don't even know how to put it there. We're, we're dealing with some heightened activity lately. Yes. I'll just put it that way. Yes. And, um, so, so again, it does feel very meaningful for me to get to do this work with them. Um, and you know, I think that the next thing I'm trusting that the next thing will open up when it's time to open up. Right. I, I might not even know what that is yet. Right. But I'm following, like I'm, I'm digging in passionately to this work and then knowing that there will be an, a, a next opening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, that, that moment um, as a patient greeter, I think mm-hmm. it just... I mean, again, I think I've said this like a million times during this interview, but like it's such a um, like a vision into how everything works, mm-hmm. you know, like when you're a woman in particular and you're feeling vulnerable and you're seeking help, mm-hmm. that first that first um, encounter you have, the reaction of that first person you walk up to mm-hmm. can determine the whole rest of your life. Yeah. You know, when, especially when we think about young women mm-hmm. in elementary and middle school that are trying to figure out who they want to be and what they want to do in those first moments of judgment um, yeah. that you encounter. Can you remember the first thing that someone said about your body? Now I'm interviewing you. Yeah, no, no, no. The first thing that comes to mind, um, and there was probably stuff before, but the first thing I remember was in high school and um, a boy that I was dating was like, you probably don't want to eat all of that. You're going to get fat. Wow. (laughs) I think that was the first moment when I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty lucky. I think I was four or five when my dance teacher said something about how my thighs were thick oh my god and you know I was a little girl yeah (laughs) um so I just think about like how we are so um socialized 
um, and instructed both overtly and covertly right. um, to hide ourselves and to not be in love with our bodies right. um, and to maybe not even know about our bodies. Right. So, um, you know, there's, there's just a lot of work to do here um, because, you know, people are, um, you know, there's lots of pe- reasons that a person might not you know, find out, say that they were pregnant, it could be that there was a birth control failure and they're like, Oh, but you know, I go for my shot every three months and there's no way. Yeah, there's no way. (laughs) So, um, you know, I recently had a woman tell me that she, um, had an IUD Mm -hmm. and got pregnant. A younger woman had an IUD, got pregnant, found out kind of late ish. And, um, her ordeal in, um, in seeking abortion care. So she, you know, I think about those folks. I mean, because right. p- people are like, oh, well, you know, just use birth control or whatever. And I'm like, well, it's not, you know, 100%. There's still that one time. So, um, yeah. That's, that's for women that are, you know, lucky enough to have the access to birth control. Like, right. it still happens. I mean, you think about women that that don't have access to birth control and even, you know, rape and incest and physical abuse. Yeah. It's coercion. Coercion. Mm -hmm. And I'll just pull out, baby, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You can trust me. And I I just feel like, okay, we we need to be, um, we need to have more conversation, not less. We need to be more open, not less. We need to have more words, not less. Um, Because I think, you know, I grew, I grew up in a time where you didn't talk about it. No. Mm-hmm. Yes, agreed. Yeah. Um, and so meeting people, you know, I, I love that I get to be in a place where I get to meet people where they are in a place of compassion mm-hmm. and everybody has their own story. And I think that's partially why I like, I like the work that I do because I get to meet so many people. Right. Um, and, there, there's a level of trust uh, that that is sometimes automatic and sometimes built up mm-hmm. for people to share um, very tender parts of themselves. Right. Yeah. So, Allison, why do you continue? Why do you venture? Like, why do you continue to put yourself out there? You have started businesses. You've completely changed careers. You, yeah. You go with your with your gut with what feels right with what you know is helping other people. Mm-hmm. Why do you continue to do that? Cause it's not always easy. No, it's not always easy. And sometimes I wish I could stop. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but, but the truth is I can't, I just can't stop. There's just too much. Um, there's too much to experience. I've always wanted to, I guess, experience it all. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of wanted one of each. I'm like, oh yeah, I want one of that and one of that. And I want to go to all the places and I want right. to eat all the different things. And I want to, uh, yeah, I, I want to do, want to do it all. And so it does kind of mean that my resume looks not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but nobody's like, but it's just reflective of my life. Right. The resume template just needs to be thrown in the trash can and burned. And um, Exactly. I think maybe I won't do a resume anymore. I think yeah. maybe I'll just like write a story yes. and stop with the resumes. Yes. I know. Take a stand, right? It's like, yeah. I'm not going to fit into your template, no. you know, from, you know, <laughs> 60 years ago. Yeah. 
The most I'm going to do is I'll put my name at the top. Yes. <laughs> you can have my name and that's about it. Yeah. And then the rest of it's going to be this like mismatch of, of my life and story. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm going to commit to that too. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, thank you so much yeah, for coming so in, Allison, um, and talking with me today. This has been great. And um, with that, we'll sign off and we'll see everybody next week. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanks for tuning in to Venturing Voices. We're excited to release a new podcast every Friday, which can be found on our website at femxcolumbia.com forward slash Venturing Voices. We look forward to you tuning in next week and introducing you to another badass woman. Thanks so much.